Today I'm continuing to talk about humility being God's path to more grace. This is based on James chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5, where it says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And so we all want the grace of God. We want His ability, but God's kingdom is set up that it flows through humility. It doesn't flow through pride. We've been talking about so many things, and I ended talking about the first characteristic of true humility as being dependence upon God. Now again, if you were to go and, and uh, research teaching on humility and people started giving characteristics of it, they probably wouldn't even list dependency upon God. But I believe that that's really one of the foundational things. It's not just, uh, you know, not being arrogant and thinking you're better than everybody else. True humility is just being dependent upon God. And then the second thing, this is what I want to start talking about today. At true humility is giving all of the glory to God and not seeking to take the glory for good things that happen to yourself. And I tell you, this is in rare uh, supply today. There is a, uh, a lack of true humility in this area. So many people want to just glorify themselves and talk about what they've done. You know, I just met with a minister yesterday that I've heard about for decades. I've listened to some of his teaching, and so we've crossed paths. We've known about each other, but I've uh, not really got to meet him and his wife. And I sat down and had lunch with them. And one of the things that really impressed me about it, him was that he wasn't out to glorify himself. So many times when I meet with ministers, I mean, they just start giving you a list of all of the things that they've done, all of their accomplishments. And what they're trying to do is to make themselves important in your eyes and to gain your acceptance. And this guy was a humble man. And when I asked him about what he did and I asked him, do you have a television broadcast? And when I asked him things, he would answer it and stuff, but he wasn't promoting himself. He had a godly attitude. But I'm telling you, there are so many people today that they want to take credit and glory for the things that are going on. And this goes way back to some of the things that I said in the beginning of this teaching. And that is that whether you realize it or not, God is the source of everything good in your life. You know, you can see this in the life of Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 30, He says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Now, Jesus here is operating in humility. Again, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus was a humble person. And how did he express that humility? He says, I am not taking the glory for myself. It is my Father who is speaking to me and telling me what to say. Now, did he sit there and say, I've never done anything good? No, because that would have been a lie. That wouldn't have been humility. Man, Jesus, everything he did was good, but he gave the glory to his Father. He's, this is specifically when people were asking him, how do you know these things? How did you learn these things? Over in John chapter 7, he says, if any man will come and do the Father's will, he will know of this doctrine. God will impart it unto you. And Jesus was giving the glory to His Father for everything that had happened through Him. He didn't deny that the dead had been raised, that the blind eyes had been opened. He didn't deny any of this, but every time somebody came to Him and says, 
Where do you get this power and authority? He didn't take the glory for himself. He constantly gave the glory to God. Right here, he says, my judgment is just. Did you know, again, there is a religious concept about humility that somebody would never sit there and make a proclamation like my judgment is just. My thoughts are right. What I'm doing is correct. They'd think, oh, that's arrogance. No, it's just humility. He says, my judgment is just. And here's the reason, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. You know, there's a number of scriptures in the Word that talks about a faithful messenger is a person who will be uh, uh, true to the person that sent him. A faithful messenger is a person who's not out to glorify themselves, but they will represent the person that sent them appropriately. An unfaithful messenger is a person who will sit there and seek the glory for themselves. And if what they were going to say, if the message that they were given and that they were supposed to deliver might cause them personal injury or it might cause them embarrassment or it might be criticized, and so therefore they would modify the message, they would change it. You know what? That's not a faithful messenger. And it all comes back to that they just don't want to be criticized. They want the glory for themselves. They want everybody to love them and accept them. This is God's Word. This is what we're supposed to be preaching. This is what we are supposed to be proclaiming. And there's a lot of preachers that will not speak what the Word of God says because it might cost them either in attendance, in finances. Uh, they might be criticized. They might have blogs written about them. And you know what? That is just pride that they do not want to suffer that criticism. They want all of this glory, all this credit to come to themselves. What that is is pride. That's an unfaithful messenger. A truly humble person is a person that is dependent upon God, isn't seeking the glory for themselves, doesn't care about people's opinion. They aren't running for a personality contest. They aren't trying to win public approval. They're just a faithful messenger. You know, I've gone overseas and ministered, and when uh, I'm speaking in a culture that has a different language, the interpreter has to take what I'm saying and speak it in that language so that it can convey those messages to the people. I was in Germany one time and I was speaking through an interpreter. And I, you know, I don't know how to describe this, but when I'm ministering, I can tell if I'm connecting with the people or not. I don't know how to, I do that. I guess it's the Holy Spirit, a gift of the whole. I don't know how it is, but I can tell when I'm connecting with people and when I'm not. And even though all of the people were looking at me and it seemed like I had the people's attention, I could just tell that I was not connecting with these people. They weren't getting it. And I was frustrated. And after the first session, I actually went and talked to the pastor and said, what's going on? It just isn't working. And he told me, he says, my interpreter doesn't agree with you. And my interpreter was changing what I'm saying uh, because they didn't think it was good. They didn't like what I was saying. So they were changing it. They weren't actually representing it. You know, you could phrase that in a lot of different ways, but in that instance, that's pride. That interpreter was more concerned about what people were going to think about him, and yet he shouldn't have even considered what people were thinking about him. He wasn't interpreting for himself. He was interpreting for me. If people didn't like what I was saying, and even though he translated it, none of the criticism would have gone to him. It would have gone to me. And yet he was changing things because he didn't believe in some of the things that I was saying. Did you know, in a sense, a minister 
IS AN INTERPRETER FOR THE LORD. HERE'S WHAT GOD IS SAYING. AND THEN BY THE HOLY SPIRIT, GOD WILL LEAD US TO SPECIFIC THINGS. AND WE ARE SUPPOSED TO BE SPEAKING GOD'S WORD. AND IF PEOPLE DON'T LIKE US, IT SHOULDN'T AFFECT US. IF YOU WERE TRULY HUMBLE, YOU WOULD JUST BE A FAITHFUL MESSENGER. YOU WOULDN'T SEEK TO GLORIFY YOURSELF. YOU WOULDN'T WORRY ABOUT WHAT PEOPLE THINK ABOUT YOU. YOU WOULD JUST SAY WHAT GOD SAYS, LET THE CHIPS FALL WHERE THEY MAY, AND IF PEOPLE DON'T LIKE IT, YOU KNOW, GOD'S THE ONE WHO TOLD YOU TO SAY IT. BUT MAN, THERE'S A LOT OF PEOPLE THAT WOULDN'T DO THAT. IF YOU REALLY WANT THE GRACE OF GOD TO ABOUND IN YOUR LIFE AND ALL OF THE GOOD THINGS OF GOD, YOU NEED TO LEARN HOW TO HUMBLE YOURSELF AND REPRESENT GOD CORRECTLY, NOT PROMOTE YOURSELF, AND IF IT MEANS THAT YOU'RE EXALTED BECAUSE OF IT, THEN OKAY. BUT YOU DIDN'T DO IT TO get, BE EXALTED. YOU DID IT TO REPRESENT GOD. AND IF IT MEANS THAT YOU'RE GOING TO BE CRITICIZED, OKAY. YOU JUST AREN'T GOING TO PROMOTE YOURSELF. YOU AREN'T GOING TO DEBASE YOURSELF. YOU ARE GOING TO DO WHAT GOD TELLS YOU TO DO AND LET THE CHIPS FALL WHERE THEY MAY. THAT IS A HUMBLE PERSON. MAN, THAT'S AWESOME. AND I DON'T THINK MOST PEOPLE SEE THAT AS HUMILITY. IN JOHN CHAPTER 14, VERSE 10, THIS IS JESUS SPEAKING. HE SAID, BELIEVEST THOU NOT THAT I AM IN THE FATHER, AND THE FATHER IN ME? THE WORDS THAT I SPEAK UNTO YOU, I SPEAK NOT OF MYSELF, BUT THE FATHER THAT DWELLETH IN ME, HE DOETH THE WORKS. YOU KNOW, IF ANYBODY EVER HAD THE RIGHT TO CLAIM THAT HE WAS AWESOME AND THAT WHAT HE WAS SAYING WAS JUST, YOU KNOW, IT WAS TOTALLY HIM. IF ANYBODY EVER HAD THE RIGHT TO PROMOTE themselves, IT WAS JESUS. AND YET JESUS CONSTANTLY GAVE THE CREDIT AND THE GLORY TO HIS FATHER. HE NEVER OPERATED INDEPENDENT OF HIM. HE WAS TOTALLY DEPENDENT UPON GOD. HE GAVE ALL OF THE GLORY TO HIS FATHER. AND THAT WAS BECAUSE HE WAS MEEK AND LOWLY IN HEART. HE WAS A HUMBLE PERSON. AND PART OF HUMILITY IS GIVING THE GLORY TO GOD. IF YOU ARE TAKING THE GLORY FOR YOURSELF, YOU ARE NOT GOING TO BE PROMOTED. GOD RESISTS THE PROUD, BUT GIVES GRACE TO THE HUMBLE. LOOK AT ISAIAH CHAPTER 42, VERSE 8. IT SAYS, I AM THE LORD, THAT IS MY NAME, AND MY GLORY WILL I NOT GIVE TO ANOTHER, NEITHER MY PRAISE TO GRAVEN IMAGES. AND THEN IN ISAIAH 48, 11, IT SAYS THE SAME THING, FOR MINE OWN SAKE, EVEN FOR MY OWN SAKE WILL I DO IT, FOR HOW SHOULD MY NAME BE POLLUTED, AND I WILL NOT GIVE MY GLORY UNTO ANOTHER. GOD IS NOT OUT TO GLORIFY YOU. NOW, GOD HAS GLORIFIED US IN THE SENSE THAT HE HAS SHED HIS LOVE UPON US. THROUGH JESUS, HE HAS EMPOWERED US. HE'S GIVEN US THE HOLY SPIRIT. AND I MEAN, I'M NOT SAYING THAT GOD DOESN'T LOVE US, AND I'M NOT SAYING THAT GOD HASN'T BLESSED US. AND EVEN OVER IN 2 THESSALONIANS CHAPTER 2, IT SAYS, WE HAVE BEEN CALLED TO THE OBTAINING OF THE GLORY OF THE LORD JESUS CHRIST. I THINK THAT'S 2 THESSALONIANS 2.13. We have, WE HAVE OBTAINED GOD'S GLORY, BUT GOD IS NOT OUT TO GLORIFY YOU. YOU KNOW, LET ME JUST EXPRESS THIS THROUGH MYSELF, THAT THE LORD TOLD ME A LONG TIME AGO, HE'S NOT OUT TO PROMOTE ME. GOD IS OUT TO PROMOTE JESUS. AND AS LONG AS I'M MAKING JESUS FAMOUS, AS LONG AS I'M POINTING PEOPLE TO JESUS, AS LONG AS I'M SHARING THE WORD OF GOD AND TELLING TRUTHS THAT ARE SETTING PEOPLE FREE AND THINGS LIKE THIS, THEN GOD WILL PROMOTE ME, PROMOTE THIS MINISTRY. HE WILL EXPAND IT AND HELP ME TO REACH NEW PEOPLE. BUT IT'S NOT GOD TRYING TO GLORIFY ME OR PROMOTE ME. HE'S PROMOTING JESUS. AND AS LONG AS I'M PROMOTING JESUS, THEN HE'LL PROMOTE ME. AS LONG AS I'M GLORIFYING JESUS, THEN HE WILL GLORIFY ME. BUT he, THE PURPOSE ISN'T TO GLORIFY ME. HIS GLORY HE WON'T SHARE WITH ANOTHER. AND THE SAME THING IS TRUE OF YOU. MAN, HERE IS A GREAT EXAMPLE. 
Jesus, of course, is the greatest example of humility. If anybody ever had the right to promote themselves, to glorify themselves, to take credit for everything themselves, it would have been Jesus. And yet Jesus humbled Himself and Jesus constantly gave credit to God and He did not worry about whether it was popular, whether it was going to promote Him. He did what God told Him to do. So in the sixth chapter of the book of John, you've got to remember the context of this. Earlier in the sixth chapter, Jesus had fed 5,000 men, not including all of the women and children that were there with five loaves and two fish. The people were so amazed at this that they wanted to come and make him a king. And so the very next day, all of these thousands of people came and wanted to make Jesus their king. Did you know that this would play to the ego of any normal person? And yet Jesus, it says he knew what was in man. He knew that those people weren't worshiping him because of who he really was. They were wanting to come and make him king because he had filled their bellies and they thought that, man, this is our ticket to getting all of our needs meant. It was all selfish. It wasn't a genuine uh, worship and glorification of Jesus. And so Jesus began to preach a hard message to them. Let me just turn over and read some of this in John chapter 6 because it's amazing. This is so contrary to the way that most ministers would minister today. In John chapter 6 and in verse 26, Jesus said, answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. That's what I was referring to. He says, you, you're wanting me to be your king because I can fill your belly. He says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. They said unto him, we sh uh, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom they have sent. And then they said, Well, show us a sign. Now he had already fed 5,000 people, not including women and children, the day before. They already had a sign. You know, they were just wanting something else. They were wanting Jesus to perform. Like, do a miracle for us, Jesus. Show us your power and your glory. And here's how Jesus responded in verse 32. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Now, remember that this is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 says that he was meek and lowly in heart. He said this of himself. And here's what meekness, true humility said. He said that my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. He was talking about himself. Did you know again, religion has so corrupted and polluted what most people think humility is that they think humility would never say anything good about yourself. Jesus just said, I am the bread that God the Father sent down from heaven. I am the true bread. If you eat of me, you will live forever. You know, some people will think, well, that was arrogant. No, that's humility. That was the truth. True humility doesn't deny good things. It'll just give God the credit and give God the glory for it. So Jesus said, I am that bread that came down from heaven. In verse 33, he says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and which giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. That's humility speaking. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Boy, what an arrogant statement some people would say. How dare you think that you are the answer to everybody's problem? He was the answer to everybody's problem. This isn't arrogance. This is humility. In verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Again, see, this is what I was talking about. The first characteristic I listed of, of humility is dependence upon God. He didn't come to do his own thing. He was out to please his Father. That is true humility. I did not come to do my own will, Jesus said, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, religion's definition of humility would make these total arrogant statements. Who do you think you are? Any person who sees you is going to live. You will raise them up at the last day. They will have eternal life. See, that's not arrogant as long as it's true. And he was giving God the glory. He constantly said, I didn't come to do my own will. It's my Father who's speaking through me. And so the Jews murmured at this. And they said this in, chapter, in verse 41. The Jews then murmured in him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Did you know that they considered that to be arrogant? They considered this to be self-promoting when the truth was it was humility on his part to say about himself what God the Father had told him. That was all the truth. And in verse 42, they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? The truth is he did come down from heaven. He wasn't just a normal man like anybody else. And if they would have taken that as proud, uh, a proud statement, an arrogant statement, and started criticizing him, most ministers would fall all over themselves trying to apologize and to make it clear, oh, now, don't misunderstand. Instead, Jesus just made it worse. Here's what he said in the next verse. He said, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is born of, except he which is of God. He has seen the Father. He was talking about himself. He's saying, I'm the only one that's really seen the Father. That's not proud. That wasn't arrogant. That was the truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and shall not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, most people would have thought this was total arrogance. That's exactly what the Jews thought. In the next verse, they strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his, his flesh to eat? They thought he was speaking of cannibalism. They missed the total spiritual application of this. Did you know if this was to happen today and a minister was to say something and the people thought, well, he's talking about cannibalism. We have to eat him. 
Most ministers would just go out of their way. They would spend huge amounts of time trying to answer everybody's question to make it more palatable, to keep from offending anybody because they are so seeking their own glory. But how did Jesus respond? He responded and made it worse. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you shall eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Jesus just went on. He didn't explain it away. He didn't put their concerns to rest. He made it even worse. He said this in verse 61, uh, when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured, He said among them, Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto Me except it were given unto him of My Father. And look at this in verse 66. It says, From that time many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Man, this was amazing. 5,000 people came and wanted to by force make Him the King and he knew their heart wasn't right. He preached a message that actually in the natural, just looking at this on this, you know, one snapshot, not the whole picture, but just looking at this one thing, it looked like that this was the wrong thing to do because thousands of people left him. And how did Jesus respond? Look at this. It says in verse 67, right after these thousands of people left him, it says, Then Jesus said unto the twelve, these are his inner circle of disciples, Will ye also go away? In other words, instead of Jesus looking at the crowds leaving and him being hurt because he loved himself, he was trying to promote himself, he was trying to glorify himself, which is the problem that most of us have, instead of that, Jesus was just totally content because He said what His Father told Him to say. He was out to glorify His Father. He knew, He said it right here, He knew that these people weren't seeking Him out of a pure heart, but because He filled their bellies. And He, wasn't, he didn't want their claim unless it was genuine, heartfelt, unless they were truly committing their life to Him. I guarantee you, most churches today don't preach the truth. They make salvation so simple. Come down and sign a card. They'll do anything to get them in. But you know what? A true representative will tell the truth. And I see that in Jesus. Jesus did what His Father told Him to do even when it cost Him these people, 5,000 people that wanted to come and make Him king and He let them go. And instead of turning to His disciples and said, Oh guys, I need a hug. Did you see all of these guys that just left? Instead of some response about he he wasn't out to glorify himself. And he turned even to his 12 and he says, will you go? In other words, it's like, well, all of these just left. There's the door. Do you want to go? Are you going to go or stay? He was not codependent upon people's approval. Boy, that is one huge statement right there. And I know that there's a lot of people that your life, you become codependent upon people's 
upon assets, your level of living, your level of prosperity, and all of these things. And I'm not saying that you deny these and just give them away. You do what God tells you to do, but you have to be willing to just glorify God. And if walking away from all of these things was to glorify God, I'd be glad to do it in a heartbeat. And you know, because of that, I'm secure. Because of that, I don't fear what people are going to say about me because I'm going to glorify God. And if He's pleased with me, that's fine. That's what Jesus did. This is one of Jesus' greatest hours right here. When the multitudes left Him, this is probably a greater display of His love and commitment to His Father than when all of the people were putting the palm branches down and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Here He was, totally rejected by the vast majority of people that wanted to come and make Him king, and He wasn't even phased by it. He turned to His disciples, Well, it's up to you. Are you going to stay or are you going to go? And uh, Peter said this unto him. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know, that, that answer kind of uh, comes across to me like, well, uh, we would like to go, but <laughs> we'd burn our bridges behind us. We don't have anywhere else to go, so I guess we'll stay with you. It wasn't a real strong commitment on their part either, and yet Jesus just kept doing what His Father told Him to do, even if it meant the multitudes leaving Him. Would you be willing to do that? That's humility. Would you be willing to do whatever God tells you to do? That's humility. Look at this in John chapter 7. Jesus had just been teaching in the temple and the people were shocked. And they said, where does this man get this wisdom? He's never been to cemetery, I mean, uh, seminary. And he, where did he get all of this wisdom from? And so... They are saying, how can he do this? And look at Jesus' answer to them in verse 16, John 7, 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Man, that's awesome. Jesus credited God. It's God that taught him. It was God that imparted all of this to him. He gave God all of the glory. And then he made this statement that he that speaketh of himself. Well, there's a number of ways that you could take that. One of those is he that is exalting himself, promoting himself, seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Also, this could be talking about that if you were giving your own message, if you were just depending and speaking forth your own wisdom instead of God's wisdom, it's not good. You know, I had somebody just this last week who I really respect. We're friends. He was sharing some things with me that he is absolutely convinced that this is what God has shown him, and it makes a lot of things make sense. But in order to come to these conclusions, he had to go outside of the Bible. He had to go research and do all these other things. And I'm, uh, I'm not saying that anything outside of the Bible is wrong, but I am saying that I can't trust things outside of the Bible the way that I do things that are in the Bible. So anyway, he spent an hour or so telling me all of these things, and it was good, and it makes sense, and it's logical. And then he says, well, what do you think? And I said, all of that makes sense. That may be absolutely true. But he could tell I wasn't really excited. And he says, but, and I said, but, I'm never going to teach it. 
because you know what? <clears throat> I can't verify it in Scripture. And I said, when you get outside of Scripture and you start basing your beliefs on things that, you know, some philosopher has said or this historian has said about things that were thousands of years ago and that you can't verify, I said, I just, uh, it's like, you know, if you're building a house or something, you have to have this foundation that you build on. And you could build something out that's off of that foundation, but if you put a lot of weight on it, the thing is going to crumble eventually and you just can't sustain it. And I said, I just don't base any of my life or anything upon anything except what God's Word says. And the reason I'm saying this is because when it says, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. What would be the point of me teaching some of these things that maybe make sense, maybe that I'm passionate about, but if they aren't verified in Scripture? If they aren't in Scripture, apparently God didn't see it as being important enough to write down. And so if it's not in Scripture, then what would be the benefit of me sharing all of these things? You know, I, I, the only way I could see is that I'd just be seeking my own glory. I'd want people to be impressed with what I know and what I've learned. And I just don't do that. And so anyway, I told this guy, I said, you know, those things may be right and you may be 100% right, but I'm just not going to teach it because it's not something that I can verify by Scripture. If you are truly out to glorify God, God has given us more than enough to share in this Word. We don't need to go outside of Scripture. We don't need to start teaching things. I've had some people before say, well, this is deep. This goes beyond the Word. Man, if you're beyond the Word, you're too deep for me. I don't want it. I'm just sticking with what the Word of God says. I am out to glorify God, to share the truths that He's revealed in His Word, and I am not going to speak on my own. I'm not going to come up with my own doctrines. Amen. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 50. He says, And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Did you know that God will glorify you? Now, He won't glorify you in the sense that He glorifies Himself. It says over there in Isaiah that He's not going to give His glory to another. But it also says that we have obtained the glory of the Lord Jesus. Let me use this passage over in the book of Joshua. And if you're familiar with Joshua... Joshua was the replacement for Moses. Moses was a hard act to follow. I mean, Moses is the guy who, you know, brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, walked through the Red Sea, opened the earth, swallowed up Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and all the people who rebelled at him, uh, spent 80 days in the presence of God without food or water. You know, he was just a hard act to follow. And so in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, Joshua now is told by the Lord that I'm going to be with you the way I was with Moses and you're going to lead the people in. You will conquer this land that I've promised them. And right here, he says, Today, I'm going to begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel so that they might know that as I was with Moses, that I'm also with you. And the reason I'm bringing this out is to say that God will magnify us. Do you know God will give honor to people? At one time, I actually thought that it was wrong to honor any person, that all of the honor, all of the glory needs to go directly to God. And I still agree with that in, in basically, except look at this right here in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2 and in verse 30. I'm not going to read the whole verse, but it says in the last part of this, it says, For them that honor me, I will honor and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
There is nothing wrong with honoring people who have honored Him. Matter of fact, the Lord said, I will honor those who have honored me. And this is basically what He was telling Joshua when He says, Today I'm going to get, begin to magnify you in the sight of the people so that they will know that I'm with you. If you are going to be a leader in the body of Christ or a leader in your business or a leader in your home or any type of leadership to where people are looking to you and following your direction, did you know that if you are a godly person and if you humble yourself, God will honor you. God will magnify you. God will place some glory and benefit on you so that people can respect you and see your leadership. And I know that this rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Let me turn back to some of these very first verses that I used in this series back in the beginning. And in James chapter 4, we started with verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded, verse 9, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And then in verse 10 it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. This verse says that when you humble yourself, God is going to lift you up. Now there's a lot of people that again with a religious concept of humility think that you humble yourself but you never get lifted up. Matter of fact, if you got lifted up, it would mean that you weren't humble anymore. But did you know if you humble yourself, God is going to promote you. There is nothing wrong with promotion. There is nothing wrong with receiving honor and credit as long as we give the credit for it, the glory to God, as long as we acknowledge God as the source. If you humble yourself, it is a law of God that God is going to lift you up. If Joshua... When the Lord said, I'm going to magnify you in the sight of all Israel so that they'll know that I'm with you and that they'll honor you and respect you. And if Joshua would have said, oh God, I'm not going to receive any glory. I don't want any honor. I want everything to go to you. And he says, no, I'm not going to let you uh, magnify me or glorify me. Did you know what that would have been? Pride. It would have been pride to hear God saying, I'm going to do this. Oh no, God, I couldn't allow you to do that. I'm going to do this. You know, I gave an illustration earlier out of the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew where Jesus had just uh, asked Peter, who do you men say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blessed him. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal it unto you. And he complimented him. But then he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. I'll be raised from the dead on the third day. And Peter began to rebuke him, rebuke Jesus for saying that he was going to be crucified. And Jesus turned around and said, Get behind me, Satan. Did you know that most people would think, Well, he was showing compassion. No, what he was doing was exalting his own wisdom instead of submitting to God. Jesus came to this earth to die. And I'm sure that Peter was probably ignorant of it. It probably wasn't malicious on his part. But nonetheless, he was advocating and promoting something that was not God's will for Jesus. And you know what that is? That's pride. Promoting your own wisdom, doing things your own way, even if you think, well, I love this person and I don't want to see them suffer. It was God's will for Jesus to suffer so that we wouldn't suffer. He bore our judgment and our separation. And you know what that was? That was pride. It would have been pride on Joshua's part to say, no, God, I can't let you magnify me. No, God wanted to magnify him. 
Did you know I was raised with this wrong conception about humility to where you never drew any attention to yourself. You never said anything nice. You never did any of this. And if there was something good, you actually denied that it happened. You, you know, I'm nothing. You just say that I'm an unworthy servant and stuff. And that's the way that I was raised. And for me, it has been humility for me to acknowledge God using me and to let God promote me. I know that this is strange to some people, but there are many of you that know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been taught not to dwell upon, not to even acknowledge or think about any of the good things. You'll think of all of the bad things. You'll beat yourself up over that, but you won't accept that God has done anything good. You're afraid it could be pride. It says here that God honors those who honor Him. It says in James chapter 4, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will lift you up. There is nothing wrong with being lifted up. There is nothing wrong with acknowledging the good things that God has done. There's nothing wrong with you acknowledging the talents and the abilities and the accomplishments that you've got. It is not humility to deny truth. Instead, it'll be like Jesus. He said, if I was to deny that I came down from God the Father, then I'd be a liar like unto you. You know, many times we've actually been taught to lie in the name of the Lord and deny these good things and say, oh, there's nothing good in me, and that's not true. The problem is that we just give the glory to God. That's humility. Humility is not denying that God has used you and that God is promoting you and that God has put you in a position of leadership and things like that. You can still be humble and acknowledge all of those things. You just have to make sure you give the glory to God. Jesus acknowledged everything that God, His Father, did through Him. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You see me, you will live. I give eternal life. And on and on He goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That was humility. It was the truth. But He constantly gave the glory to God. There is nothing wrong with us acknowledging the position that God has put us in. Matter of fact, there is something wrong when we refuse to accept that responsibility and the honor that goes along with being in a position of leadership. There's something wrong when we can't accept that. It's actually an indication of your pride. Let me use a passage over here in Joshua chapter 7. This is where Joshua led the children of Israel uh, to conquer the city of uh, Jericho, but he told them not to take any of the spoils, that this very first victory, they weren't supposed to take any gold, silver, raiment, anything. They were, it was all dedicated to the Lord like a first fruits offering. And uh, he told them not to do it. Well, there was a man named Achan who violated that and he found some uh, precious metals and some garments and he took them and hid them in his tent. So when they went out to the next battle, they were beaten. I mean, they had won this huge battle against this fortress of, of uh, Jericho. And then they went against this little tiny city that only had a few people in it. And they were beaten by these few people. And, and uh, Joshua just couldn't understand how this happened. And the Lord told him it was because somebody had taken of the accursed thing. In other words, they had taken this gold, silver, and these raiments and had, um, and had hid them. And because of that, that's the reason that they had lost this battle and that they had to deal with this before God would uh, give them the promised land the way that they had desired. So that's the background of it. And the Lord showed that Achan was the man who had done this. And here's what Joshua said to him in Joshua chapter 7, verse 19. 
And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And so he went on and told him what he had done. But my point is, he, we're talking about giving all of the glory to God as being one of the characteristics of humility. And notice in the light of that what Joshua said to him. He says, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the God of Israel and make confession unto him and tell me what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. So in other words, he's saying, tell me the truth. Give glory to God. Did you know that giving glory to God, when you are out to glorify God, you will tell God the truth. I've made some comments about this uh, before in this teaching, but all lies are based in pride to where you are seeking the glory for yourself. You are not giving the glory to God. And that's exactly what Joshua said to Achan. I pray thee, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession. Tell the truth. When you are not telling the truth, it's because you are afraid that the truth is not going to advantage you as much as the lie would. And so you're going to misrepresent yourself, misrepresent the facts in order to get praise and glory and honor for yourself. So man, this would really help you if you would just acknowledge that when you lie, and again, there's people that say, well, it's not a total lie. It's just a little shading of the truth. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. It didn't use the word lying. We should not misrepresent facts. When you tell only the good things about yourself, when you overinflate what has happened, when a pastor says, oh, you know, there was a thousand people there and the truth was there was 200 there. I couldn't tell you how many churches I've been to that we've asked how many they run in church and they will say 500 or whatever and I go and there's 50. There's 100 max and it's just a lie. You know what? That's, that's seeking glory for yourself. You're thinking that somehow or another if you were to tell me how many people actually came, I might not go to that church or whatever. And it could be the same thing with your employer, the same thing with your mate that they might interpret, misinterpret something so you just lie and manipulate the facts. You know what? That is not glorifying God. That is seeking to glorify yourself. Boy, those are strong statements. All lying has its root in pride. The fact that you are out to glorify yourself and not glorify your uh, God. He said, now give the glory to God and tell me the truth. When you tell a person the truth, you are glorifying God. Now, we need to speak the truth in love is what the Scripture says. I'm not saying that you use the truth like a club and if you know something bad about a person or if you say something that could hurt a person, you just do it in a mean way. We need to be as kind and loving as we possibly can, but we need to speak the truth and not lie. You know, I've told people before, you know, if a woman comes up and says, does this dress make me fat? They shouldn't ask me unless they want the truth. Now, I'm not going to go out of my way to offend them. And I, I have told people before, I said, you know what? You don't want my opinion. What does my opinion matter? If you like it, wear it. That's just great. I've tried to dodge it and stuff like that because I don't want to offend a person. But if a person just backs me into a corner and says, tell me the truth. Does, do you like this? Well, I'm going to tell them the truth. They shouldn't ask me to tell them the truth if they don't want to know. Amen. And I know that there's some people that think, well, you're just totally justified to sit there and tell your wife or somebody that they look great when the truth is they look bad. That's not true. Jamie just asked me about something two days ago about how does this look? And I didn't say anything, but just my lack of saying anything, I guess, said something. 
And anyway, she went and changed and didn't wear it. And I told her, I said, you know, you're just fine. You can wear whatever you want to. And she says, no, I can tell. And so, but anyway, I didn't go out of my way to hurt her, but I am not going to lie to a person either. You need to tell a person the truth. And if you aren't doing that, then you are seeking to glorify yourself instead of glorifying God. Look at this in Luke chapter 17, verse 18. This is where Jesus had ten lepers come unto him and he told them to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went to the priest, on the way they were healed. And one of the lepers came back and fell down at Jesus' feet and began to give him thanks for what he had done. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 17, 18. He said, Are there not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger? And Jesus here said that by him coming back and saying thanks, that he was giving glory to God. Now the reason I'm bringing this up is to say that one of the characteristics of God kind of humility is to give glory to God. Did you know if you are truly glorifying God and not glorifying yourself, if you are truly humble and not proud, you will be a thankful person. You will be a person that just constantly thanks God. And again, you know, I, I know that some people will take the things I'm saying as I'm promoting myself. I'm not. And it's actually humility for me to use these things as an example. But I just know me better than I know anybody else. And you know, over the last few days, man, I've been blessed to be at home for a while. We took some time off. And I have just been walking around my property. I mean, thanking God for the fact that He gave me that little piece of property that I can have on my own. Thanking Him for the beautiful day. Just thanking Him. I mean, I have been overwhelmed with thankfulness. If you are truly humble, you are going to recognize that everything you have and every good thing in your life comes from God and you are going to be thankful. A person who is not a thankful person is a proud person. It's a person who is taking the things of God for granted and not realizing how blessed they are to have it. This leper came back and fell down at his feet and Jesus said, weren't there ten that were clean? And yet there's only one. One out of ten came back to say thanks. You know, I know that God is a uh, altogether being. I don't know the right way to say that, but he's, he's not got personality flaws and stuff the way that we do. But I do believe that God loves us. God loves to hear us give Him thanks. There's many scriptures that talks about enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, and how we're supposed to be thankful unto Him. We're commanded to rejoice in the Lord evermore. And again, I say rejoice. And on and on. There's just many things in scripture that shows us that God inhabits the praises of His people, that He loves us. He wants and desires this. I don't believe that if we don't say thanks to Him and if we don't give Him the worship, that is due unto His name. I don't believe that He gets bummed out over it and discouraged. He's all together and He can handle it. But I think it's terrible that God has done so much for us and that we spend such little time thanking Him. Did you know one of the true attributes of humility is that you just give glory to God? And right here in Luke 17, giving thanks unto God is glorifying Him. When you begin to thank God and acknowledge God as the source, did you know what? That glorifies Him. 
This last Sunday after I came home from church, nobody was up at our place in Woodland Park and I just went into this building that we're building. It's a huge, hundred and nearly 150,000 square foot building and it's still under construction. And I just spent hours walking around in there thanking God and praising God for what He's done. You know, we had to have a construction pause is what I called it because we ran out of money back in December. And uh, so I'm determined not to build this thing um, with debt. And so I just paused construction. And anyway, now we've started construction back up on a limited basis. And anyway, that's a separate subject. But my point is that as I walked around just thanking God for what I already saw, you know, over the last six years, we have put out $50 million above my normal expenses that it takes to run this ministry. It takes over a million dollars a month to pay our television bill, over a million dollars a month in uh, salaries and all of these other things. And so we have about a $3 million a month budget just to do the, the things that have to be done. And on top of that, I've come up with an extra $50 million over six years to build all of these buildings. And as I was walking around and just thanking God for what we already had, I can truthfully say that there is not a single doubt. There is not a single reservation. There is no discouragement. I am not discouraged in any way over the fact that it's not complete yet. I know it's all going to get done because He's been so faithful in the past. You know, faithful is He that called you who also will do it. I'm confident in this very thing that He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus and on and on. I mean, I, thanksgiving makes you abound in faith is what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. You abound in faith with thanksgiving. And once you start being thankful and you start giving glory to God, it puts all of the responsibility upon Him. It makes Him the source. And it takes you out of the crosshairs. The devil can come and try and say, what makes you think you're going to do that? Well, it's God that's caused all of this to happen. It wasn't me. I'm not taking the credit for the good things that have happened and I'm not taking the blame for what hasn't happened yet. You know what? God is the source of all of this. And when you are thankful and giving glory to God, it just puts you in a strong, strong, strong position. And your faith just abounds when you begin to give thanks unto God. Again, I believe that these are things that humility works in your life. If you are a person that is not thankful, if you don't thank people, if you're the kind that goes in and you, you just say, well, this person should treat me this way, and you demand everything. You're a very demanding person and you never say thanks. You never show your appreciation for anything. You're a very proud person. Now, you may not be arrogant. You may not think you're better than everybody else, but you are sure focused on yourself. You do not see God as your source. You don't recognize the contribution that other people make. You just think that, you know, you are just this awesome person. That's, that's uh, pride. You need to humble yourself. And a humble person is a person that is going to give thanks. That's what Jesus said, that when He returned, He gave glory to God by just saying thank you for the healing. You know, I prayed with a woman one time that was crippled with arthritis. They said that they weren't, didn't expect her to live through the week. She had been eight years without eating anything that was solid food. She had to eat liquids. She was all curled up and her hands were gnarled and everything. And I prayed with her. She was instantly healed. Got up off this stretcher, 
started walking back and forth. Within a week, her hands were back straight. I never saw this woman again. She never said thanks. And you know what? I don't demand it. It didn't discourage me or defeat me, but I think that it would have been the right thing on her part to at least say thanks. She just got healed, ran out the door, never came back. And it's one thing not to thank a person who's prayed for you, but I mean, many people do this with the Lord. They'll be in a life and death situation. They pray, God delivers them, and then they just go right back to doing what they were doing before. I was talking to a person not long ago that made a commitment to God that when they were in Vietnam, if God got them out of there alive, that they would serve Him. And I mean, God performed a miracle, got them out alive, and when they got back to the States, they just totally forgot, and they didn't thank God. They didn't follow through with their commitment. You know what that is? That's pride. That's just a person being so consumed, so occupied with themselves, they don't think about God. You know, the Scripture teaches that we can minister to the Lord. In the 8th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and she got up and ministered to him. That didn't mean she preached to him, but she just washed his feet, which was the custom of the day, probably took his coat, fixed some food, and it ministered unto him. The Scripture says in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, that uh, Paul and Silas and all of these other people, they fasted and prayed and ministered to the Lord. Again, they weren't preaching to Him, but you know what? They were loving Him. When you bless the Lord, when you praise Him, when you say thanks, you are glorifying God. You are ministering to the Lord. In that sense, God has a need. Now again, you have to understand the way I'm saying this. God is God. He's complete. God, you know, we could all be gone and God would still be whole and complete and He's not going to fall apart. God is God and He is not dependent upon us, but because of love. He loves us so much that He desires us to worship Him. Zephaniah chapter 3, or it's either Zephaniah or Zechariah 3.17 talks about that He rejoices over us with joy. And that word rejoice means to twirl and dance violently. Man, He inhabits the praises of His people. Psalms chapter 22 verse 3 the Lord desires for us just to say thank you to Him. And when we do that, that is giving glory to God. And again, this is a trait of humility. Jesus would not take glory for Himself every time people would praise Him. He wouldn't deny what God had done through Him, raising the dead, seeing blind eyes open, but He would put all of the glory to God. He would make God the source. When you are glorifying God when you are thanking Him and saying, God, thank you for my prosperity. Thank you that things are as good as they are. And when you're doing that, you're glorifying God. That is a trait of humility. If you have a lack of thankfulness towards God and towards people that God uses in your life, it's because you are a proud person. And a lot of people don't see that as pride, but it is. Pride is taking all the glory for yourself. You're thinking about yourself. You're always worried about what people think about you, but you don't think about other people and what their needs are. You know what? When you start thanking people, if somebody does something for you, say thank you to them. Man, you could make their day. You could bless them. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And yet a proud person, it's all about them receiving. It's all about them getting everything for themselves. It's all about them glorifying themselves. You need to glorify the Lord. So a lack of thanksgiving is an indication 
of pride in your life. And it means that you do not acknowledge, or at least to the degree you should, that God is your source. And there's a lot of people that the reason they don't give thanks to God is because they really think they have done all of this. When you go get your paycheck, you don't just say thank you, thank you, thank you to this person like you know they've given you something. You think, no, I earned this. But the truth is, God is the one who's caused you to be born at this time. God's the one that's given you the freedom that we have in this nation. God is the one who's given you your talents and abilities. And the truth is that we do need to acknowledge that without God, we wouldn't have the ability to get that paycheck. It doesn't matter how hard you work. Yes, you may have done some things, and I'm not saying that you deny that and deny that you have been a part and that you've been faithful and that you've done a good job. You don't have to deny that, but you just need to recognize God is your source and say, thank you, Father. You know, in my life, God has blessed us. There was a time when Jamie and I were so poor, we couldn't pay attention. I mean, we nearly starved to death. And just yesterday, I was eating. Jamie's involved in rehearsals for these uh, productions that we're putting on in uh, Woodland Park. And she's been gone a lot, and I've been home a lot by myself. And you know what? I've uh, had to feed myself. And I was just sit sitting there thinking the other day as I was eating a chicken pot pie that I heated up in the microwave. That's about the extent of my feeding myself. <laughs> and as I was doing that, I was just thinking about how blessed I am. That man, here we are, and I could not, if I didn't want this, I could go someplace, I could buy me anything I want. I could, I could do anything I want. I am not limited. And I remembered the time that Jamie and I would go weeks at a time without food. And you know what? I've sought the Lord and I've done certain things, but it is not my great wisdom and talents and ability that has caused me to prosper. It's God. I've been clinging to God and it is the blessing of God. I've humbled myself under the mighty hand of God and God has lifted me up. And as I was eating my meal the other day, I was just sitting there glorifying God and thanking God and praising God and recognizing God as my source. You know what? That's humility. And I think that uh, humility has been misrepresented by religion so that it paints a humble person as a weak person, an insecure person, a person that would never acknowledge anything good in them. And I've been trying to change that based on what the Word of God has to say. You know, an example of this in Scripture is John the Baptist. John the Baptist had spent his entire life dedicated to God, separated unto God. He didn't go through a normal life. He was out in the deserts until the day of His coming and appearing unto the nation of Israel. And then when He appeared to Israel, I mean in six months' time, He turned the entire nation and surrounding nations to an anticipation of the coming Messiah. And He had thousands and thousands of people following Him. And eventually, He even baptized Jesus and um, his disciples came to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he sent his disciples after Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees, of course, were against John the Baptist and Jesus. And they thought that they would play on this pride that nearly everybody operates in. Certainly they were consumed with pride. And if it would have been them, they would have been jealous of Jesus getting all of the attention. So they came to John and they said, Have you heard? 
how that Jesus now is baptizing all of these people and He's making disciples and all of the crowds that at one time were following you are now following Jesus. And they did this trying to get John and Jesus fighting with each other. And yet John operated in humility. And you know what it was? He said, He must increase, but I must decrease. I'm not even worthy to, to bend over and undo his sandals on his feet. You know what that was an example of? Humility, giving glory to God. It was about glorifying God and not about glorifying himself. There are so many people today that if, you know, you were pastoring a church and if somebody else came into town and started a church and if they were doing a better job than you, you wouldn't sit there and just bless them and let them increase. Man, you would begin to start pointing out things that are wrong, criticizing, forbidding your people to go over there, etc., and all this. Now, I'm not saying that every single church is a good church and that you just promote all of this, but I'm saying that a lot of what is done is done out of nothing but insecurity and seeking to glorify and promote yourself. But it would be a godly thing for a minister to just humble himself. There's actually an example here in Colorado Springs of a minister coming in who all of a sudden began to just start drawing large numbers of people. And there was a man who I know, I went and ministered in his church, that he saw that this other man was doing a much better job than he was. And he literally encouraged his church to just join with this other church. And he went and submitted. And it turned out that that other pastor who was much you know, much better and drawing bigger crowds actually gave him a position on staff and he became one of the staff pastors that went out and visited the sick and did things like this. But there's not very many people, see, that would just promote another person. It's all about themselves. They are going to build their kingdom and they're going to defend it and fight against anything that would take a member away from their church. And this isn't just limited to preachers, but people do this in their businesses and all of these things. It's just self-promoting. True humility is not self-promoting. It's also not self-defacing. And religion is taught that, oh yeah, you can't promote yourself, but you can deface yourself and debase yourself and criticize yourself. No, if God has called you to be that person that has the largest church in town, you just need to step up and accept it, give the glory to God and recognize that it's not because you are the sharpest knife in the drawer. It's just the choosing of God and you give the glory to Him, but you need to not be promoting yourself. You need to give the glory to God. Here in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, this is a teaching. I have an entire series on this entitled, The Keys to Staying Full of God. And I hadn't got time to teach that, but that's one of my favorite things to teach. And really, it's rooted in humility. Man, that's a strong statement right there. Romans 1, 21, he says, Because that when they knew God... They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart became darkened. And the rest of this chapter, Romans chapter 1, just goes through and shows progressive steps that people take away from God and walking with God to where eventually they become reprobate. God takes all conviction out of their heart. There is no desire for God whatsoever, and they are eternally damned. And that is the results of what this is describing right here. And the very first step in this process, it says that they didn't glorify Him as God. What does it mean to glorify? You know, when I look this up in the Greek, the word glorify here means to render or esteem glorious. 
And to me, that just didn't communicate something. They used the same root word glorious to define glorify. And so I kept looking further. And what I did, I looked up all of these words, render and esteem glorious. I looked them up in the dictionary to try and get further understanding. And this word glorify means to place a value upon, to prize. And this began to start really communicating to me. And so this said that the first step in walking away from God is not glorifying Him as God. Another scripture that gives clarification to this is Romans 11:13. In that verse, this was Paul speaking, and he said, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. That word magnify there is the exact same Greek word that was used that they didn't glorify God in Romans 1.21. So by seeing the different ways that this Greek word was translated, you can get a clearer understanding of the meaning. And to glorify God means to magnify God. Paul said he was magnifying his office. Now he's, he said, this goes right along with some of the things I've been saying about true humility, not being debasing yourself. It's just saying the truth, but giving the glory to God. He said here that I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Did you know for a person to say, I'm an apostle, some people think, well, boy, you're bragging. You're arrogant. Not necessarily. You could just be saying what God has spoken to you and you're responding to it. As long as you give God the glory and give Him the credit for any good thing and you don't claim that you're an apostle because you've earned it, well, then that's not a statement of pride. Paul here said, I am the apostles of the Gentiles. See, he wasn't magnifying himself. He says, I magnify my office. And that word magnify is the same word that was translated glorify. So you could say it this way, that to glorify God as one of the traits of humility, to give the glory to God, means that you constantly are magnifying God and not magnifying yourself. Well, that's a big statement right there. That's amazing. And I, I, there are so many people that I've known and talked to that are just glorifying, magnifying themselves constantly. I know that you've been around people that, you know, if there's somebody in the crowd who's gotten some honor and somebody is talking about them and how they've accomplished something that, you know, you've done this, you, you won this race or you've lifted so much weights or whatever it is. If you were giving a compliment to a person, I bet all of you have been around people that wouldn't allow that glory to go to that person. That other person will stand up and say, well, I've also done this and I've pressed more weights than that or I've run faster than this. They are going to seek to magnify themselves, to glorify themselves. What that is, is pride. And sad to say, we do this all of the time. We magnify ourselves instead of magnifying the Lord. When you magnify the Lord, you make Him bigger. That's what it means. You, and you can't truthfully change the size of God or the importance of God. He is who He is regardless of what you think. But re, as far as you are concerned, as far as your thinking is concerned, you can make God bigger. You can get to where you glorify, magnify God and constantly are praising Him for every good thing that happens in your life. Or... You can get to where you magnify yourself, but you can't do both at the same time. You can't be magnifying yourself and magnifying God at the same time. If you choose to bring all of the glory and the credit and talk about what you've done and just promote yourself, 
you by default immediately start decreasing the value that you place on God, the glory, the esteem that you give to God. In this teaching that I've got entitled uh, The Four Keys to Staying Full of God, I, I describe like a seesaw that, you know, if you have something with a fulcrum in the middle and a seesaw, you can't have both ends up at the same time. You have to, if one end is up, the other one is down. Likewise, if you are truly glorifying God and giving Him the honor and the thanks and the credit, and if your focus is on magnifying Him, then you, relatively speaking, will be diminished. Now again, there's a balance to this because I am not saying that you deny the good things that God has done in your life. And if you have accomplished something and if you do have a talent, I'm not saying that you lie about it and, and stuff. It's just that you give the credit to God. You are constantly glorifying Him. And if you are constantly glorifying Him, you are not going to be constantly glorifying yourself. A person who is out just glorifying themselves, magnifying themselves, and promoting themselves constantly says to me that, man, they are a proud person. And there's so many scriptures that I've already used in this series, but Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I guarantee you, when a person starts magnifying themselves, promoting themselves, when it's all about themselves, you can write it down. It is just a matter of time until they fall. There are so many examples that we see of this. It seems like that they go unnoticed. A lot of people, it's become so commonplace we don't notice it. But I was thinking back about the last Super Bowl and there was some people just boasting and bragging. They were the greatest. They were going to annihilate this. And man, they played terrible. And after the thing was over, they wouldn't even talk. They couldn't even carry on a decent conversation. Got up and walked off during the interview. You know, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And when you see that kind of arrogance and promotion of self and magnifying and glorifying of self, I guarantee you it's a prelude to disaster in that person's life. It's just a matter of time. I remember that there was a church here in Colorado Springs. This has been back, oh, I'm not even sure, but probably 30 years ago or at least 25 years ago, long time ago. And when back at that time, there had never been a spirit-filled, word, faith-oriented church that had ever grown above 100 people in Colorado Springs. The biggest churches were denominational churches, and uh, there just had never been a real strong, full gospel, charismatic type church. And so anyway, this man came into town. I joined his church. I was a part of his church. And anyway, they began to prosper and they grew and they grew to, I don't know, 400 people or something like that. And they outgrew the facility they were in. They had to get a new building. And the very first service in this new building, they were praising God, but it, it switched from giving God the glory to look what we have done. Look what we have built. We are something special. And it was super offensive to me. I believe it was offensive to the Lord. And anyway, during this song service and right after the song service, as everybody was getting up and praising this pastor and talking about all that he had done and how awesome he was, I just got up and I gave a prophecy based on 1 Samuel where Samuel told Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, then I exalted you and made you ruler over my people. 
But when he got lifted up with pride, he was destroyed. And I just spoke to these people. I said, it's God that's done all of these things. We need to direct all of the glory and all of the praise to God or we could lose this just as quickly as we got it. And did you know that that word that I gave in the name of the Lord was not real well received? Matter of fact, it was uh, not received at all. And uh, anyway, the long and the short of this is that that minister, I believe, got lifted up with pride. At one time, he was doing very good and God was using him and that's the reason that the church grow. But then when he began to when he began to see this success, he started taking credit for it. And did you know that that church just fell apart? That minister, his administrator went to jail and as far as I know is still in jail. That minister lost his family, went through a divorce, was selling women's cosmetics. And now I've heard, I don't know this for sure, but I've heard that he's dead now just a few years later. And it led to destruction. And you know what I believe it was? It wasn't sin. They didn't go commit adultery. They didn't do any of that stuff, but it was pride. They began to start taking the glory and the credit. And like it says over in Psalm, Isaiah chapter 48, God will not share His glory with another person. As it says in James chapter 4, God resists the proud, but He gives grace unto the humble. And the moment you get lifted up in pride, it's just a matter of, of time until destruction comes. So we need to recognize that we need to glorify God and magnify God and not be promoting and magnifying ourselves. And you know, some people think, all right, if I do that, well, then I'll never get credit for anything. It's really just the opposite. That's the way you would think in the natural. But when you glorify God and honor God, God will honor you. There's nothing wrong with being honored. It just shouldn't be self-promotion. It needs to be God that promotes you. You know, I've used these verses back in the very beginning of this series, but let me turn over again and read in Ephesians chapter 6. This makes that same point that if you humble yourself and if you give all the glory to God, it doesn't mean that you will suffer because of it. You might suffer some persecution and rejection, but God will honor you. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not unto man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So this is saying that you serve your masters. I believe in our day we would say you serve your bosses, not only the good, but whether they're good or bad, you serve them not with eye service as man-pleasers, but you do it from the heart, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Whether you're the CEO or if you're the lowest paid person in that deal, God is paying attention. And if you serve with a true heart, God will promote you. Again, I go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, where he says, those that honor me, I will honor. If you will glorify God instead of this, you know, as some people might think, well, then I'll never get credit for anything. It'll be just the opposite. God will honor you. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God will exalt you in due time. God will promote you. I'm not saying that you just live a life of having nothing and doing nothing. I believe that this whole concept, and again, 
Some people get upset over this. I don't mean anything critical by this, but I just believe it's a good example that illustrates what I'm talking about. But this whole concept of living a monas in a monastery where you deny yourself, where you have the barest necessities, you don't even have a good cot to sleep on, you eat, just barely get by, you don't have good heat, and you're just constantly uh, mortifying and hurting the flesh and that you have nothing good in your life, no recognition and stuff. That's not a godly concept. It is a godly concept to magnify God and not yourself, but if you do it properly, you will be exalted. Again, I go back to uh, James chapter 4, I believe it's verse 10 down there. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you. You, you can't just humble yourself, magnify God, and then refuse God's blessing and prosperity on your life. Living a, an aesthetic lifestyle where you just reject any comfort and any good coming your way is not true humility. I don't believe it's a godly trait. It's godly not to promote yourself, not to exalt yourself, but if you do it with a pure heart, God will promote you. God will exalt you. And for you to deny and reject that exaltation and the blessing that comes from serving God is not a godly trait. I've taught on prosperity many times and I've had people come up and say, well, that's just, you know, that's just selfish. All you're wanting is stuff for yourself. I've got enough. I don't have a very nice house. I don't have the best car, but I've got a house. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a vehicle. I've, I'm eating. I've got enough. I don't want any more. I'm just really humble. You know, that's not true humility because it's all about you. You, in a sense, are saying, I've got everything I want, and since I've got what I want, forget the rest of the world, forget everybody else. It's all about me, and so you just forget everybody else. No, a truly humble person will be satisfied with what they've got, but then as they promote God and as they give, they know that God is going to bless them back. If you give, it'll come back unto you, and they receive that prosperity so that they can be a bigger blessing to people. It's actually pride to sit there and say, I've got enough. I don't want any more. You're only thinking about yourself. God will promote you if you humble yourself.